when you're down and trouble and you need some love and care and nothing well nothing is going right close your eyes and think of me and soon I will be I'm C.J. Layton coming to you from inside the Phantom Radio Studio, home of the premier radio bowling talk show. Long ago, Bowler's Journal International called Phantom Radio a pioneer in the field of bowling podcasts because the show is regularly scheduled at the same time each week. PBA Hall of Famer Len Nicholson started the show in 2002. Since then, he's recorded over 1,100 shows featuring over 400 different guests, a literal who's who in bowling. So, Phantom fans, let's welcome our host, Len Nicholson, the Phantom. Well, thank you, CJ. And a reminder that Phantom Radio is presented by the Kegel Company. This week's guest is now in his 60th year in the bowling game and has done it all, including being a top scratch bowler in his time and a serious energy energy, uh, shortened his career Then he turned to coaching, and he taught at the first two super schools, and he is a mainstay in the Bowler's Journal Top 100 Coaches Yearly Pool. He is an accomplished bowling writer, a recipient of the prestigious John Davis Award. He runs a very busy pro shop, and he's known by his peers as the guru. So here's Gary Parsons. Hello, Gary. How are you doing, man? Hi, Letty. Uh, it's been a few years since we've talked, so um, glad, to, glad to talk with you again. Well, I want to have you on a lot more often because uh, we're getting older, and I want to get everything down on paper that you know. I know it's going to take several more years because you got a whole lot in that big melon that you got up there. I never met a smarter guy in my life that knows more about bowling than you. So, well. <laughs> thank you. I think that's an exaggeration on your part, but thank you anyway. No, I'm serious, man. I've been around a long time, and I've met them all east and west. And uh, as I said, they call you the guru, and there's a reason for that. But this week, we're going to pay tribute to one of the most controversial characters in the history of our great sport. And the guru, uh, Gary Parsons, our guest this week, knew him very well. So, Gary, uh, tell us, how did you get to meet the great Bill Taylor? I, I read Bill Taylor when I was in high school. I started reading his newsletters and his books in high school and in college. And I fortunately got to meet him in the probably the time that he debated Mo Pinnell in Vegas. What was that, like 94, 95? Yeah. The great seat they had. And I got to meet him, and we immediately hit it off. And we've met several times after that, and uh, we had very good conversations. We disagreed on some things. Apparently, he liked me because I was told by um, a famous bowling writer, Bob Cosgrove, that it's a good thing he um, he liked me because of his handshake. And uh, most people don't realize that Bill may have been one of the strongest people on this planet at 167 pounds. He was unbelievably strong, and you can ask Mr. Carmen Salvino about that in their arm wrestling matches. 
<laughs> yes, he was. I shook his hand a couple of times, and I think he was trying to uh, break you down some way or another. But yeah, he did have a strong, strong uh, handshake. But uh, you know, there's there's thousands of stories about him, and I want to find out as much as I can this week. And like I said, we're gonna we're probably gonna talk about him a couple more times in different shows. But you know, I'm sure that you've got plenty of stories about him. And one of them being the handshake that he had. But tell us one of your favorite stories, if you would. And I had a dry sense of humor. He would make witty statements like when AMF came out with a new pen that bounced all over the place. Somebody asked him about it. He said, well, yeah, I guess they're, I guess they're, maybe, maybe they're good for bowling. I saw one flying over my house last night. So I, he was, he was. They have a very dry sense of humor, and um, uh, there, there are lots of stories, Bill, that are out there. And Maybe you could have Bob Johnson, a former editor of the Bowlers Journal. He knew him really, really well, and um, he could tell you all these stories about um, Bill's sense of humor. Well, there's a whole lot about Bill Taylor, that's for sure. He, in a way, he was a genius. He was very, very controversial. And you know, if you don't mind, if you can... Can you briefly tell us, like, a couple of contributions to those oh, people sure. that never heard of him? Well, uh, Bill, uh, let me. He was, he was, I think, born 1925. He was, he had a uh, bachelor's degree in history uh, and business. He also had a master's degree, so he was educated, and uh, he he was a prolific writer. Uh, well, he was coaching. He was coaching in the 1950s and 60s. He coached the famous Falstaff um, team, which had uh, people like Glenn Allison and Billy Waylou, Steve Nagy on it, Andy Marzik, those, those great bowlers of yesteryear. Uh, he coached that team. He was coaching on the tour for a while until they actually um, kind of banned coaching because of him, because he was so successful out there and controversial. Warned the bowling world about the soft conditions that were coming in bowling when the pins changed and the lane conditions changed, and he thought that was the cancer for bowling. He thought that was the reason why bowling was went into a decline. I disagree with that. I believe um, the reason bowling went in decline because of bad marketing or the mismarketing of this sport since 1972. But that's another story. That's another story of that. He wrote, he wrote politically. He wrote a number of newsletters out. He wrote uh, a lot of articles, a lot of articles in various publications. He wrote How to Drill a Bowling Ball, which is still uh, kind of the Bible for it, uh, for drilling. He set the pattern. He was, he, he was the first person to, as far as I know, to study the game with, with a hard science background that he had. He was one of the big three that started coaching Back in the 50s, Bill Bonetta, Bill Taylor, and Tom Coros. And Tom wrote Par Bowling, which is still, I consider, the Bible of bowling. And Bonetta, Bonetta didn't publish, so he wasn't as well-known as far as his coaching. Taylor published four major books. Uh, and, of course, Tom Coros par published um, Par Bowling. But he wrote How to Drill a Bowling Ball, What Happened to Don Carter. He did an analysis of Don Carter's footwork and why Don uh, in his opinion, declined as a bowler. He wrote a book on balance, uh, the balance of a bowling ball, which geo uh, geodesic um, 
principles were applied, uh, precision was uh, was applied, and so he, he he wrote he wrote a number of stuff and and that number of books, and he contributed intellectually to uh, the foundation for modern coaching and modern understanding of the game, even though the game had, did pass him by in his later years. Yeah, he hated high scores. I remember that. And as a matter of fact, you kind of mentioned it a little bit. Uh, he didn't like the way the new pins were falling, and he did a lot of study on that. And, and not only that, he, he even invented a lane finish back in the day uh, to try to uh, use less oil, which would uh, mean there would be less help to the pocket. So uh, do you remember all those days? I'm sure you do. Yeah, he, uh, he invented the, the true flat condition where no oil was applied or very little oil was applied. I think he was, he believed in, at one point he was bleeding maybe oil in the lanes the first 18 feet or so. Unfortunately, that, that didn't pan out because there would always be a friction zone created. So eventually uh, a zone would have been created of friction and therefore it would not have been uh, as flat. But that was his dream to make shot making, pure shot making rewarded aided shot aiding through bowling balls or lane conditions not rewarded but yeah. that didn't pan out that was good been that would have been too expensive i think and most bowling proprietors wouldn't have accepted it in the beginning and most bowlers probably wouldn't have liked it in the beginning either but that was his that was his dream yes i remember him very well in fact I, as i mentioned he he came around the pba a couple times and he'd want to know what we were doing and why we were doing this and he was a very controversial guy, and he ruffled a lot of feathers. I know he didn't get along good with the ABC back then. Uh, now it's the USBC. I don't know how that ever panned out, whether or not they sued each other or got in a fist fight or whatever happened. Do you never, ever know what happened to the end of that relationship? I, I really don't. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I really – he just um, – uh, he just saw the ABC as, as leading, allowing things to occur, probably from a technological standpoint, which was aiding higher scoring and false, what well, in his opinion, false scoring. And he didn't like it. So he went after the ABC and pointed out every time they did something that he didn't like, he would point out the uh, empirical or um, uh empirical data or logical data, uh, logical arguments that he would use against the USBC or ABC at the time. Therefore, therefore, there was an issue between those two. Um, yes. It started with the pen. It started with that It started back when USBC allowed the double void pen to come in existence instead of the single void pen. Right. So, as you mentioned, Tom Corus, he he wrote the great book, Par Bowling. In fact, it was might have been the biggest selling bowling book of all time. You said they, they knew each other. Did they get along okay, or was there some professional jealousy between Chorus and, and Bill Taylor? Uh, there was definitely, I would say, maybe spilled over to a personality conflict, but there was definitely um, professional jealousy, and that both received a lot of attention, both received a lot of accolades, which they both deserved, but they, their views on bowling were very different. Each one went their own way, coaching in their own way, and each had success, and each one had failures. 
But um, the big three, those big three set the foundation for later coaching like Fred Borden to come along and Dick Ricker and even on, um, even up allowing the foundation for the modern coaching like Mark Baker and Bill Hall, you're a recent guest on your show. So Taylor and Bo- Taylor and Chorus and Bonetta, they were historically the, the foundations for um, our game as we know it today from studying it from a scientific standpoint. And, of course, today's game is a lapsed bill from the sense of um, – technological improvements that we've made and technological abilities to study the game that Bill never even imagined could exist. Well, I know how high you were on on Bill Benetta, and I got to know Bill, too. I'm from California. He was out here from Fresno. and In fact, when I left the the national tour and I worked in the regional program, Bill bowled almost all the regional tournaments. And what a gentleman. And I'll tell you what, he knew a lot. And I know that you were in his corner because I'm pretty sure you were instrumental in making sure that he got some major awards, correct? I was the catalyst for him. Um, Ipsia has a Bill Bonetta award given out, uh, Lighthouse Award given out to innovators in bowling. And I was, as when I was the education director for Ipsia, I was instrumental in getting that award named after him. I remember that, God Almighty, you know, without you doing all that, who knows? He might still be in the background someplace, you know, Fards, uh, uh, you know, that's a mark of a good man is when you recommend somebody in your own profession because, let's face it, you, you know a little bit about coaching yourself, but when you boosted him up on that plateau, uh, that brought a lot of attention to Bill, and, and I'm sure he appreciated that from you. Yeah, I um, unfortunately, Lenny, as far as Bill's, Bill Bonetta's concerned, it's one of probably the greatest disappointment I've ever had that I did not meet him personally. We were supposed to um, hook up at a bowl expo, and unfortunately he died uh, before he could come down there. He was planning to come there uh, with a couple of his friends, and unfortunately he passed away, and I never got to meet him. And it's a, it is my greatest disappointment in bowling. Well, I believe that. You know, I didn't know that story, to tell you the truth. But, uh, you know, to switch topics just a little bit, because I want to get this in. Um, along came another gentleman uh, after you guys that was a pretty smart guy. And I remember him arguing with Bill Taylor about a lot of things. And they were on Bowers Journal cover together. Mo Pinnell, right? Right, they had the great debate. What was that? Do you remember when that was? Twenty about ninety four or so. They had yeah. the great debate. Yeah, that was about twenty five years ago. That's amazing. But a lot of attention, and I think that virtually everybody who was in bowling at the time, who was a who's who, was at that debate. It was the um, the old the old master versus the young upcoming future master of bowling. Two visions of the world. One, if I would get a little technical here. Bill came from an education background of classical physics in which he believed that that could be objectively um, the final truth, the the answer. And um, Mo came from the world of post-classical physics, quantum physics, and where there probably wasn't a final answer in and of itself that every time we we investigated something, we changed it. Um, new technology came along. It changed 
and there could never be a final answer. So there was two, two education backgrounds, two um, colliding with each other, two psychologies that were colliding with each other. But I will tell you this, I think I was there, I heard that debate, and from a strict debating, debating points system, I think Bill may have won that debate. He held his own with Mo, but the wave of the future was how Mo was going to look at the, how Mo was looking at, world, at the world through different cores and different chemistry background, and Bill was uh, Bill was uh, kind of if he used the word stuck in lacquer and wood, understanding the bowling, but it still does not take away from what Taylor's contributions to this game and this sport from a from the setting the foundations for our understanding of the game from a scientific standpoint and from a rational standpoint, Bill took the videos or the eight millimeter cameras film then. Bill did the hard studying of, of the phenomena of various different bowlers. He can't reach a lot of logical conclusions from what was going on. And he was, and you know, in many ways he was ahead of his time. I mean, in balance, he, if I remember right, he was talking about the flare of a bowling ball way before people understood what flare really meant. And um, so he was, he was ahead of his time in one sense, but unfortunately um, uh, he got, he got, he got a mindset of the fallacy of misplaced concreteness, if I can use that term, because this term Alfred North White had a philosopher for years, where he thought that um, the principles were more important than the lived reality. And in the end, like Del Warren pointed out to me, it was just a couple of days ago when I saw him, Bill believed in making good shots as opposed to necessarily winning. And that, that probably was an intellectual downfall on his part. Because um, winning and scoring is the answer and not just looking good and making good shots from a pure standpoint. As I said, I got a lot of questions for you, Bards. And one of them is this, uh, before I forget, you know, those three guys, uh, Mo Pinnell and uh, Bill Taylor and Tom Corus, unfortunately, they're all gone right now. The thing I want to mention is, you know what? You're a humble guy, and you were right up there with those guys, but you never sought the publicity that they did. So uh, was there a reason for that? Are you asking me if I never sought the publicity? Yes. Oh, my God, John. I would never, first of all, I don't know what publicity I would get. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty controversial among certain people uh, and certain people in power right now because of my views on what what happened to bowling and how it could be turned around. And I've yeah. challenged some of the leadership in open debates on the issues of bowling. I've never, I've never, I've never sought out after publicity for myself. It's always been for the betterment of the game. I mean, I don't. Um, uh, I, I know that, but those guys did, to tell you the truth. I know that for a fact because I knew them all. Uh, you know, Benetta, you know, he, he would go to a bowling center and, and he'd practice and he'd come up to the desk and say that he had, had three 300s that day and then he'd get his name announced and he'd go around shaking hands and all that kind of stuff. And Mo Pinnell, uh, nobody's more controversial than him. <laughs> and, and Bill Taylor, you know, them three guys, they were out in the front all the time. And, and I got to tell you, you were always in the background. I know you've had a couple of challenges, but very few and far between. 
but let me, let me ask one more while I'm on that same topic. Um, okay. Salvino, Carmen Salvino, he, I have on the show many times and he talks about his chemistry and his patents and all that kind of stuff. Is he the man that gave you the nickname, the guru, or how'd that come about? That was from uh, Jerry Francomano, the former dean of Ipsia. Uh, Jerry's still in Vegas managing some centers. Yep. And uh, that came about, oh, I don't know, about 80, about 86 or so. I was at Sports Plus Carmen Don Pro Shop when he was there running it. And um, I spontaneously late at night gave a 45-minute dissertation on the issues of bowling and how to understand bowling from more of a logical, in my opinion, more of a logical perspective. And after I finished, he just announced, I have my guru of the north. And I go, okay, who's your guru of the South? And he says, Mo Pinnell. So um, that, was a, that was kind of a great honor to be in, put in Mo's category. And, of course, Mo's first, when he, when he heard about it, he wanted to know who this guru of the North was. So uh, <laughs> uh, Mo, and I, Mo and I also became friends and working partners in the, um, the advanced pro shop class that Ipsia had. And uh, Mo and I disagreed on some things, and um, that was that was good debate sometimes. Well, you know, you, you ran across a real good friend in Jerry Fracomano. I'll tell you, I'm in touch with him now and then. He's out in Vegas, and he's a wonderful job out there, and he's really a nice guy too. Jerry's a great person, a great a great ambassador for bowling locally, and you couldn't ask or a person that's uh, more thoughtful about the game than Jerry Francobano. You know, we've lost those three guys, like I mentioned, Mo and, and uh, Tom Corris and, and also uh, Bill Taylor. Uh, is there any kind of, did they leave behind any works that could be looked up, you know, on the Internet or anything like that? Anything that uh, pro shop well, guys well, ought to know the, about? Most, most, stuff is, most stuff is out there. I, we just, um, I just attended... Innovative Bowling Products as a, as a pro shop class, and it was done by Del Warren this year. This year, and it was in honor of Mo. And they took the principles that Mo was teaching. Del Del knew Mo very well, and worked with Mo in ball development and coaching. And Del Del took those principles and explained it to the class. I think he had about 35 pro shop people in there this year, and uh, it was honor. It was in honor of Mo. Um, for what his contributions to um, to bowling and pro shop industry. Oh, that's awesome. So people so can look. Bill Taylor, let me let me just tell you how Bill Taylor's works are still available. If you want a pristine virgin copy of fitting and drilling a bowling ball, um, I saw that on the internet where it was going over for a thousand dollars. Wow. Um, yeah, and a used copy was going between five hundred and six hundred dollars. Fortunately, I have like three copies of it. Would you like to sell one or two of them, or what? Uh, right now, the, 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 right now the answer is probably no, but I don't know. Uh, what <laughs> <we're>... <laughs> All right. Well, listen, I'm looking at the old clock in the wall. I'm right on the edge of the limit here, but I'm sure you got at least one more story to tell us. You know. <laughs> about our, our special guest, Bill Taylor. You got one more? 
Well, I just, it just, my, Bill, Bill and I had a, a good, solid relationship. In, in other words, we weren't antagonistic to each other, and and we 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 talked to each other rationally. And Bill, we just disagreed on the future of bowling. And now, let me just tell you this: that Bill, I reiterate to what I said, is Bill, Bill thought the problem, the cancer of bowling, was a, his term, super soft conditions, and I believe that's a problem, but. The problem is marketing, and we've been. This sport has been mismarketed since 1972, and it's been marketed as a recreation, and that's the problem with bowling today. And as long as we understand bowling, it's been done intentionally. As long as we understand bowling as an escapist recreation, we will never return to the status that we had one time in the in the 60s and and 70s. We must start we. Um, we must start remarketing this thing as a sport, and we could talk about that sometime in the future. I definitely have plans, uh, conceptual plans, to do this and turn bowling around. I could turn bowling around five years, in my opinion, uh, if it's done. But uh, yeah, Bill, Bill and I were most people. Most people had problems with Bill in many ways, and he was that that humor could come out in a very sarcastic way. But he and I never had that problem. Well, that's good to know. So. As you probably know, I know you follow the show, and uh, we've been doing a lot of going back in the archives and talking about people to pay tribute to. And I know you go back, you know, for a long way, back into the 50s at least. Uh, I want you to think about coming on the show and paying tribute to Bill Bionetta, if you don't mind, somewhere down the road. Okay, well, I can do that. Um, I'll have to do some little research, but... Um... Um, Bill was Bill was a, Bill was a great human being and uh, and a great bowler. People don't realize what a great bowler he was, and absolutely a superb coach. He yes, was, he, and he, you can ask if you can get a hold of some of the old timers like Carmen. Carmen will tell you how good Bill was as a coach. All right. And, well, I'll get a couple of quotes from from the Spook, and then we'll schedule having you on, telling a little bit of a story about uh, Bill Bidetta, pay a little tribute to him back in the old days. All right. Carmen on there as well, because, I mean, Carmen worked with him. You know, I yep. Um, yep. I didn't, you know, fortunately didn't meet him, but Carmen, Carmen worked with him. And I, if you could um, get, um, follow this up maybe with Bob Johnson. Um, Bob Johnson knew Bill Taylor as well, and they worked together, and maybe Bob could give you some insights um, about Bill that that I did I couldn't because I didn't work as with Bill as much as Bob does, or did. All right. Well, it sounds like a plan, Bard. So, Phantom fans, I can't believe how quickly the time flies in this show, and probably why they call it the fastest show in all of sports. But hope that you all enjoyed hearing our stories from the guru, Gary Parsons. And we look forward to talking to all of you again next week. We'll have yet another interesting guest to talk to. In closing, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Brad Edelman from the High Roller and Storm Bowling Products, who's been our sponsor since 2002. And also our nearest, our newest sponsor, Dave Kowalski. He's with Auto Parts and Bumper to Bumper. He's also the past president of the High School Bowling Coaches Association in Michigan, where they have 7,000 junior bowlers. So, Gary, thanks again for being with us. 
Thank you, Lenny. Thank you. And uh, I think you're doing a wonderful job here bringing back, um, bringing back some historical figures and getting our sense of roots of where we're coming from. And so how bowling developed, how the sport developed, and the possibility of the revival of this great sport and from a historical perspective. And I want to thank you for that. All right. Well, thanks, Barge and bowling fans. This is The Phantom. When you're down and troubled And you need some loving care And nothing, well, nothing is going right Close your eyes and think of me And soon I'll